Amen. Amen. Go ahead and open your Bibles to Acts chapter 3. If you were here last week, we kicked off our series on stretch marks, but we actually kicked off a two-part message uh, from Acts chapter 3. We're calling it, I'm up for it. I'm up for it. And it's going to make a lot of sense by the time we get to the end why we're calling it, I'm up for it. Uh, But but in Acts chapter 3, we see this this amazing story, this kind of mind-blowing story of God's healing, of God's supernatural, miraculous power. At camp, our camp theme was unstoppable. We discover that we have an unstoppable God, and our unstoppable God has unstoppable power. And we see that unstoppable power here in Acts chapter 3 in an amazing way. So in case you weren't here last week, or in case, like me, you've done a lot of stuff since last Sunday, you might not be really tuned into the story. We're going to read back through the story just to catch everybody up, and then we're going to push forward in it. So Acts chapter 3. Three, starting in verse 1. It says, One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, Look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. What we said last week is when you give God your attention, he always exceeds your expectation. This man gave them his attention, expecting to get some quarters, expecting to get some change, expecting to maybe get a dollar, something that he could use to get a snack, something he could use for his next meal. He gave them his attention, but God massively exceeded his expectation. Verse 6, then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have. That's somebody's life verse in here. Uh, you can identify with that. But what I have, I have given to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Walk. One word. Walk. So it's such a simple. The thing that, about this passage that's always blown my mind is I've been in situations where we prayed for somebody's healing, and I've seen people healed. I've seen people not healed. I've been on both sides of that. Uh, but, man, when, when we get somebody come who wants healing, man, we're praying for, like, 30 minutes. Like, we're praying down the fire of God. We're believing. Peter just looks at the dude and says, in the name of Jesus, walk. He didn't even pray. He didn't bow his head. He didn't say, let's take a moment. He just speaks to him in faith and boldness in the power of God and says, walk, and he walks. Man, some, some of us just need to stretch our faith a little bit. Some of us just need to stretch our belief system in God and who he is and how he responds to his people. Some of us need to stretch our faith in the power of the name of Jesus. We can sing a song and say there is power in the name of Jesus, but do we use his name in a way that suggests that we believe there's power in it? Man, maybe for you, all you need to get from this message is you just need to stretch your faith. To believe that the same God of the Bible is the God who's alive today, who's living and active in his people today. I believe that, and I believe that we're going to see Amazing things in God's house, in God's presence going forward. Taken him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet, and he began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking, jumping, praising God, carrying on, showing out, showing off his new moves. I can't believe my legs work. He's doing everything. I've never jumped before. I've never danced before. I've never stepped before. How does this work? I don't know if he looked awkward. I don't know if he had rhythm just instantly. I don't know what it was like. But in that moment, he started discovering, what can my new legs do? When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate. Remember, don't get too used to the way I am now. 
Don't get too used to the one you see in front of you today. Don't get too used to who you are today. God's taking you someplace. God's got something better for you. God wants to take us from glory to glory. They recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. So last week we started a four-point message with one point, our longest point. We got four Ps. We looked at the first P, the partnership. I'm going to ask Leonard and Cody to come join me up here at this time. Uh, Last week we had Leonard and Dan, but I told Dan this morning he was fired because he has to play keyboard at the end of service, and we we're going to need somebody who's in a different position. So, so we got a new new stand in. So Leonard last week stood in as our, as our Peter. Leonard is bold. He's direct. He'll tell you what he thinks about you, whether you like it or not. Um, I'm just kidding. He's really not a bad guy, uh, but he is bold. He struggles. Uh, <laughs> he'll let you know. Um, He's direct, man, and God uses him in an amazing way. He's got faith. I've seen this man servant in so many capacities. These two actually, these were our first two male 662 leaders. When we started the 662 10 years ago, uh, Leonard was our first youth leader, and uh, Leonard and Paula, and then Cody and Mercedes jumped on board not long after that. And so they were partners in building the 662. Man, the fruit of what we're seeing today is all built on a foundation that these guys helped to build. And so Leonard has served in many other capacities. He leads an amazing city group. Um, he, he's been used in other areas. He actually just received a new responsibility here at City Church uh, that he's going to be taking over. Leonard's going to be our new Mission OB director. He's going to oversee all of our outreach. Um, because this guy loves the last, the lost, and the least. He loves the people in the community who don't know Jesus. He loves those who are far from him. Uh, and so, man, Leonard's going to be taking that over. He's not in charge of our, our outreach this Saturday coming up because we've kind of already put things in place. So if anything doesn't work well, that's not a reflection on him. It's on me. Uh, but going forward, Leonard's, Leonard's going to be our guy uh, making that happen. He's actually going to be out at the Connection Center today selling the Mission OB shirt. So if you haven't met Leonard, come meet him. Um, you're going to be amazed at, at who this guy is and how God uses him in, in a great way. So Leonard is our Peter. He's bold. Uh, and so Cody's our new stand-in for John. And Cody may even be a better stand-in for, the, for John, what we're talking about, because John's the, the silent partner. John doesn't like to speak up here. We see Peter talk. We see John just there. Uh, and that's not really who Dan is. Let's be real. Dan likes to talk. Uh, but that is who Cody is. Cody's so much the silent partner that when I asked him if he would do this, he said, is there anybody else who you can ask? Uh, like, there's got to be somebody that can do this besides me. Uh, but, but he's a perfect, perfect stand-in for this. And I wanted to have him up here because I wanted an excuse to brag on him a little bit. Cody just got back from his eighth Camp 662 with us as a leader. This guy has poured into generations of young people faithfully. He's just there. He loves it. He's competitive. He might be quiet, but don't think he's not competitive. He wants to win every year. How many times have you won at camp? One. One. He got the one win in. Uh, so we got to do a better job of giving him some talent on his team. Uh, but... <laughs> but uh, but man, Cody uh, has, has served faithfully in our youth ministry for so long. He's made such a difference in the lives of so many. And so I asked him, man, can, can I get you up here just as an excuse to, to brag on him a sec? Would you just give him another round of applause, man? Just honor what God has done in this guy's life. And now they live with me. And now they live with me. <laughs> now, yeah, now Aaron lives with them. Kayla's moving in. Uh, so they're, they're all creeping in. So if you guys don't have a place to stay, I'm just kidding. They're, they're, the house is full. <laughs> there is no room at the inn. Uh, 
So these are our partners. Uh, we, we've got the bold one, the direct one, Peter. We've got the quiet one, the silent one, the solid one, the one who's there when you need him in John. Um, and remember, the beggar had partners too. So that each day, some people took him and placed him at the temple courts to beg. He had some partners. He had some friends who were there for him when he needed him. But they took him as far as they could take him. And sometimes we need some new partners to take us to the next level. And this man was about to find his new partners. And that brings us to our second P as we kick off today. We're going to talk about the path. Everybody say the path. It's hard to find the right partners if you're not on the right path. This man may not have been able to walk, but he had one thing going for him. He knew where he wanted to be. When it was time for him to go somewhere to beg, he didn't say, man, he said, don't take me to the bar. I'm not going to drink this away. Don't take me to the club. I'm not going to dance this away. Don't take me to the whorehouse. Don't take me to the crack house. Take me to the house of God. Because when I need something, I want to be in the path of some people who are on their way to pray. You might have had a rough week. You might have done everything wrong this week. But you did something right. You put yourself on the right path by coming to be in the presence of God, by coming to be in the presence of God's people. When we surround ourselves with God's people, we're putting ourselves on the path for something to happen. And if you get on the right path long enough, even with the wrong decisions, even with the wrong partners, if you put yourself on the right path long enough, it's just a matter of time. So God's going to show up. And he's going to send somebody. And he sent somebody with some boldness, with some passion, who came to our beggar. And let's demonstrate this one more time, letter. He's sitting here begging. He's down front. I know you can't see me in the back, but you can just imagine. He's begging. He says, get silver, you know, alms for the poor. I don't know exactly what he says. He cries out. And Leonard says, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Silver and gold have none, but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. That's good. I didn't tell him he needed to memorize that. Well done. He says one of his favorite verses. Good job. Instant in season, out of season, Leonard. Well done. So he stretches his hand forward, and some power comes into his legs. He begins to feel something he's never felt before. He was crippled from birth, and all of a sudden, he takes his first step. He stands on his own two feet because of the power of God, because of the power of the name of Jesus, because he was on the right path. You have no idea what God might do in your life one day. If you'll simply put yourself on the right path. If you'll simply take the initiative, the strength, the dedication, the discipline to get on the right path. Understand this. This man had been on the same path many times before and the miracle hadn't happened. But he was faithful to continue putting himself on the path. Sometimes you're going to be like, man, why am I still going to Citigroup? I haven't gotten anything out of it the last couple weeks. i got so many other things I could do. Why am I still serving at Mission OB? I haven't had the chance to pray with anybody for salvation. I haven't had a chance to really make a difference. They don't really need need me? Why am I still serving in Kid City? All I'm doing is changing diapers. Anybody can do this, and I don't even like doing this. Why am I doing this thing? But if you keep putting yourself on the path, God's going to do something. Be faithful. Be disciplined. This man had some severe issues, but he located himself on the path of life. He said, if I can just be outside the temple, if I can just be outside the church, I won't even touch on the fact that if you read through the book of Acts, most of the miracles that are done in the book of Acts are done outside the church, not inside the church. See, don't think that the only place you can get connected to the power of God, don't think the only place that God can use you is in a church building. Because you if you go to work Monday through Friday, Jesus goes with you. 
If you go somewhere through the week, the Holy Spirit goes with you if you're a Christian. God can use you, and he wants to use you out there, I think, even more than he wants to use you in here. We come here to get, to get strengthened, to get equipped, to get fired up, to, to get some teaching, but God's going to use us out there. He wants to use us out there. Here's what I do want to touch on. The lowest point in this man's life, the point where he needed help, the point where he had nowhere else to turn, where did he want to go? He wanted to go to the church. The point where he needed to find the most generous people in Jerusalem, where did he go? He went to the church. I read this this week and I wondered, where do the people in Olive Branch go when they need something? Where do the people in Olive Branch go when they need someone who's generous? When they need someone with an outstretched hand? Do they look to the church? Do the people in our community, do the people in our culture, do they associate a church with generosity? This man did. He knew, man, I want to be next to the church because that's where I'm going to get what I need. He didn't go in thinking he was going to get healed. He didn't go in thinking he was going to receive his ability to walk. He went in with his money on his mind, right? He had his mind on his money and his money on his mind. And, and yet we, we create these expectations on people. You've got to go to church for the right reasons. Show me that in Acts chapter 3. He didn't go to the church for the right reasons. He went to church to receive something, and God had something far greater for him to receive. I don't care if you came to church today because you wanted to meet a girl. God's got something for you. The reason, the motivation is not going to inhibit our unstoppable God from showing his power, from declaring his glory in your life when you get on the right path. He says, Acts chapter 3, it says that, Peter spoke, and instantly power came into his legs. Instantly. In the New Testament, the word instantly only shows up one time outside of the writings of Luke. Luke wrote the book of Luke and the book of Acts. But in Luke and Acts, you see this word instantly over and over and over again. Luke was a man of instantness. I don't know if that's a word, but it is today. He he was a man of suddenness. He was a man who, who believed that God was moving now in this moment. I love Luke's writings. Could have called this message the quick fix because this man wanted one kind of change, but God gave him a different kind. He came wanting a quick fix, but God gave him a quick fix. Maybe you came to church today just looking for some strength to get you through the week. You need to elevate your expectations because God doesn't just want to give you strength to get through the week. He wants to teach you how to walk for the rest of your life. He wants to give you some power in your legs. He wants to give you some direction, somewhere to go. He wants to do something more than just get you through another week. We need to begin believing God for bigger things and asking him for bigger things. That brings us to our next P. And trust me, these guys are going to be busy in just a little bit. Right now they get to relax for a couple of minutes. You don't need to worry about them. They get to chill. But be ready because when we hit our last P, they're going to be busy. So let's talk about number, number three P, the price. The price. You say, wait a minute, I thought the healing was free. It is. Healing is free. But obedience is costly. I got to preach one time. This week at camp, which is amazing. I used to preach like six times at camp because we had nobody else. I only had to preach one time at camp. I talked about God, about unstoppable obedience. Unstoppable obedience. You see, healing is free. Salvation is free. But discipleship will cost you everything. Obedience will cost you everything. And so, yes, there was a price. First of all, there was a price to pray for Peter. And for John, what happened? They do this miracle. How, How does the world respond to them? We get thrown in prison. It was a price. It was costly. Peter heals the guy, speaks to the guy. They throw Peter in prison. And guess, what, guess who goes with him? 
John's like, I didn't do nothing. I didn't say anything. Careful who you hang out with. Careful who you surround yourself with. You hang out with some people of faith, you might get dragged into some faith too. You might get dragged into some miracles too, even if you didn't expect it, even if you didn't mean for it to happen. It cost them something. It cost the beggar something too. What could it cost the beggar? The price of a new beginning. The price of a new career. All he knew was laying outside the temple courts and begging. It was his lifestyle. He had done it for decades. He knew exactly what every day would entail. And now everything changed. See, sometimes we want to ask God for some change, but we don't count the cost of the change. And if you don't count the cost of the change, if you don't understand the price before you ask for the change, before you begin the change, it's only a matter of time before the price of change exceeds your desire for change and you end up right back where you started. How many times have you seen an addict who wants to get broken free of their addiction and they take some steps, they go to rehab, they do something, and man, you're thrilled. Man, I've seen this in my own family. And man, that's it, they're done. But eventually they end up right back where they started. Why? Because the price of change was too expensive. Change is going to cost you something. It's going to cost you a new mentality. It's going to cost you to cut some things on, to get rid of some things in your life. And for this man, everything changes. They say, you want some spare change? I've got some real change. I've got some life change. And it's fantastic. And it's the thing that he wanted that he never knew was even possible. But don't think that there wasn't a price. This will apply to any area of your life that you want to see some change. Do you want the change? You better be ready for the challenge. Because God will do what only he can do, and he will do it in an amazing way in your life. He will do the super, but he's always going to ask you to do the natural. There's always going to be steps that you have to take. God gave this man the power to stand up, and he stretched out an arm to help him stand up, but the man still had to find the faith to believe that his legs would work and push on him. He still had to find the faith to believe that now that everybody's seen this, I can't come out here tomorrow and beg because I ain't getting nothing. I'm going to have to go out and find a job. I'm going to go out and live and learn a skill that I've never had the opportunity to learn because I've always been stuck in one place. There was a price to his change. we got to be ready for the price. So Peter lifts him up. The beggar's immediate response is to start dancing, start moving, to start shaking. Now, I cannot dance, so I'm not going to try to imitate that for you. I'm going to spare you all that. I sang for like two seconds in my message yesterday, and it's the worst decision I ever made. Um, not going to happen. I'm not going to do that to myself or to you. Um, but here's what I want you to see. We all have all kinds of quick fixes that we rely on, things that we depend on, that we've created in our lives to, to create some kind of stability, to help us in some kind of way. But Peter gave him so much more than that. He stretched his hand and said, walk. He lifts him up. Now the guy is shouting and dancing and praising God, praising Jesus. First, he's happy to take a step, but I wonder how long did it take for him to go from one step to two steps. I wish I could go back and just see the video reel in heaven of this. Like, did he immediately jump up and start dancing? Did he do the Macarena? Like, what did it look like as he began moving around? It would be so interesting to see somebody move for the first time. My son's nine months old. I'm so excited for him to start walking. I can't wait to to see him begin to take those steps. And and I'm sure he's going to be unsure at first, and he's probably going to fall on his face, and I'm going to be heartbroken, and then I'm going to laugh because I'm a jerk, uh, but, but he's going to learn, and he's going to take more steps and more steps, but I wish I could see this man, an adult, somebody decades into life, take their first step. I think it's amazing to imagine when you finally hook up with the right partners, when you finally decide to get on the right path, when you finally decide to pay the price. 
You know what people are going to say about you. You know what others are going to affirm about you. You know what you're going to affirm about yourself. I've never seen anything like this before. People gathered in amazement. Who are you? Aren't you the guy that was out there? What has happened when you finally allow God to get you free of whatever you need freedom from? When you ever allow God to do something in your life through his partners, through the right path, as you pay the the full price, people are going to be shocked at who you are. I'm telling you, there's students sitting right over here that are different people than they were three days ago. You look in their eyes, you see a different person in their eyes than they did three days ago. What is that? Is that just the power of emotion? Is that the power of a fun experience? I don't believe that. I believe it's the power of God. I believe they met a holy, living, unstoppable God, and they emerged from his presence different than they entered. And that can happen for you. It can happen for us. So everything's great. They're celebrating. People are amazed. Everything should be awesome. And then what happens? Church people. Church people show up, and church people ruin everything, right? The church people show up, and now all of a sudden this dude's in a conflict. He's in a controversy. He wasn't looking for conflict. He wasn't looking for controversy. He was just looking for some change, but he finds himself in the middle of controversy because the religious leaders knew that their whole system was threatened by this Jesus guy. And by his followers. They they were supported financially. This was their means of survival. And all of a sudden they realized, man, this Jesus guy's got something that we don't have. And so they want to shut him up. It's why they killed him. They wanted to get rid of him. But even after they got rid of him, he's still doing miracles in his name. Things are still changing. And they knew that something was going to go on. So they want to shut it down as quickly as possible. So they throw Peter and John in jail. I considered ending this message in verse 10. It makes sense. If you read out of the NIV or, or a similar Bible, there's section headings. And, and the section in the NIV says, Jesus heals the crippled beggar. Or Jesus heals, not Jesus heals, Peter and John heal the crippled beggar. Peter and John heal a crippled man, something like that. And so you preach this story, you read the section, verse 1 through verse 10. Man, we, we get fired up, we get excited. He's walking, talking, jumping. People are blown away. I can finish high on a great emotional note. We can go out of here. High five, God is good. But I can't stop there there's a little more context that you need. See, anytime you come to a passage in Scripture and you want to understand it, one of the greatest things you can do is read a little before and a little bit after. And we're going to read just a little bit after. We're going to read some three more verses here just to discover some things that you probably wouldn't see. What you're going to see is that Peter decides to seize the moment of the beggar's healing, and Peter's going to preach a sermon. He's going to preach a sermon. What do you do with the opportunities God gives you? God does something in your life, what do you do? Do you seize the opportunity to bring some glory to him? Peter seizes the moment. He uses the platform of this healing. Or does the pressure cause you to be silent? Many times I believe it does. Verse 11, so while the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. Now, crowd participation. Let's read this verse one more time, and I'm going to ask you what's the most interesting thing you see in it. While the beggar held on to Peter and John, All the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. Anything jump out at you there? People came running, right? That's the thing that jumps out at me, right? It's cool. There's a crowd. People are interested. They're excited. Anything else jump out at you? What is it, Dana? Uh, Who who said it? It was Aaron? Aaron, my bad. What would you say? Louder. Beggar spelled wrong. Good (laughs) That's actually not true. That's a copy-paste from the Bible. Uh, but thank you. Uh, any, anything else jump out at somebody? Okay, Caleb, say it louder. 
The beggar held on to Peter and John. I've read this story I don't know how many times. I've read through the book of Acts probably more than any other book in the Bible except maybe Proverbs. And it says the beggar held on to Peter and John. But just a few verses ago, he's jumping, dancing, and praising God. Why does he still need to hold on to Peter and John? This is amazing. This is mind-blowing to me. What is the reason? Y'all have a great week. I'll see you next Sunday. See you then. You want me to come back? Who said it? Alex, I'll do it for you because you asked me. None of the rest of y'all need to know. No. This is amazing. It's incredible. Here's what I think the reason is. Because his mentality had not yet caught up to his reality. His mentality had not caught up to his reality. The reality was he was healed in an instant. The reality was he could move, he could jump, he could dance, he could do anything that an able-bodied person could do. But his mentality hadn't yet caught up to his reality. And so even though he'd already demonstrated the healing, his mind wasn't there yet. His awareness had not caught up with his wholeness. His understanding had not caught up to the power he was standing under. His mentality hadn't caught his reality. His whole life, his mind was stronger than his feet. And now in an instant, that whole, thing, whole relationship is flipped. And his feet are stronger than his mind. His mind cannot do yet what his feet are capable of. So it's crazy. In one verse, he's leaping. In the next verse, he's leaning. And it's so easy to look at that and, and kind of look down on the guy. But don't we do the same thing? Aren't we leaping on Sunday morning? And then 3 o'clock Monday afternoon, we're leaning, leaning on a five-hour energy. I leaned on some five-hour energy this week at camp. Man, we're, we're, we're leaning on something. Man, we go from leaping to leaning. We go from strong in the power of God to needing some more strength, to needing somebody to support us. We do exactly what this beggar does in this passage. But here's what I came here this morning to ask you today. This is the, the most important moment for you to tune in to allow God to speak to you. What are you leaning on? that you don't need anymore. What are you leaning on that you don't need anymore? He didn't need Peter and John anymore. He'd already gotten from Peter and John what he needed, but he was still leaning on something he didn't need because his mentality hadn't caught up to his reality. Now, the answer to this question for you could be any of a number of things. It could be a a person. You're leaning on a person that you don't need anymore. It could be a substance. It could be a food filled with substances. It could be caffeine. Caffeine is one of the hardest things for me to kick. Man, caffeine, can, we can lean on some caffeination. Man, you might be leaning on something that you don't need anymore. It could be a pattern of pessimism or negativity. It could be a way of dealing with people. It could be a habit. But what are you leaning on that God says you don't need anymore? Watch this, verse 7. Let's go back and read it again. It says, taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet And ankles became strong. Everyone say became. Became means it happens, past tense. It's done. D-O-N-E. His feet are strong by verse 11. They're not just able. They don't just have some ability. They're strong. Can I tell you what happened when you came to Jesus? When you got saved, you became. You became book of Ephesians says that you have every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. The moment that you receive salvation, God deposited everything in you that you would ever need to follow him. 
you became. You received the fullness of his power, the fullness of his love, the fullness of his ability, the fullness of his presence. You received everything you would ever need from God. You became, but let's read on. Verse 8, it says, he jumped to his feet and he began to walk. He began. That means in some ways he was just getting started. And when you got saved, you became, but then you began to walk. And just because you've received everything that you need from God doesn't mean you have a clue how to use it. Doesn't mean you have a clue how to access it. Doesn't mean you have a clue what to do with it. And this guy had all the strength he would ever need in his feet, but he didn't know what to do with them. He had all the ability to walk out everything God would have for him, but he had no idea where to go. So he began. And we all become the moment we receive Jesus, but then we begin a lifelong journey of accessing what he's deposited in us. Can your attitude catch up with your new actuality? You got a new heart when you receive Jesus. When he got you up, just like Peter got this man up, you got to understand Jesus reached down and he got me up. He lifted me up and I became. So I want to end this message today talking about our last P. I want to talk about the prop. The worship team is going to come down. Don't let them distract you. We got just a few minutes left together. But we're going to talk about the prop. These guys are my props. They've been up here standing here wondering why they're here for the last 20 minutes. You've probably been wondering why they're here as well. But they're going to be my props today. I'm going to demonstrate something with them. This man is holding on to Peter and John. He's propping himself up. He's leaning on them. But you know what happens? Peter seizes the moment. Peter was an opportunist. And while he's leaning on Peter and John, while he's using them to prop himself up, Peter decides, you know what? You're going to be my prop. Not yet. Hang on. Hang on. We'll get there. They're, they're anxious. They know, they know it's coming next, but they're ahead of me. Uh, we got a couple more verses to read. Thank you, guys. I, I told him I'd tap him on the back, and I just got in the moment, and I tapped him. So my bad. It's my fault. Um, so they're using, he's using them to prop himself up. But Peter says, I'm going to use you as a prop. Peter begins to preach. Watch what happens in verse 12 and 13. It says, when Peter saw this, he said to them, men of Israel, why does this surprise you? People are freaking out. Over this miracle. And Peter's so direct. Why are you surprised by this? Why do you stare at us as if it was by our own power or godliness that we made this man walk? I'm not unstoppable. I'm just behind the one who is. I'm just serving the one who is. I'm just filled with the power of the one who is. But it ain't my power. It's his power flowing out of me. It's power in his name, not power in my name. Peter made it very clear. It ain't about me. It's about him. Very direct. Verse 13, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his service, Jesus. What's he doing? He's giving God the props. He's giving God the props. Would you give God some props for the way he got you up? Would you give God some props for who he made you? I'm saying right now, let's give God some props. Let's give God some glory. Let's give him some credit for what he's done in your life. If he's touched you, if he's healed you, if he's raised you up. And maybe you don't know how to walk out everything he's done in your life yet. That's okay. It's a process. We're going to begin to walk out the steps that he has for you. But here's what I want you to see. This man, this beggar, he's been healed. He's leaning on Peter. He's leaning on John. He's already became, but he doesn't even know where to begin. What am I supposed to do? So he says, look, now that you guys got me into this mess, can I just kind of hang out with you for a while? Can I just kind of stay here next to you for a while? 
can I just kind of be with you for a little while? And Peter says, absolutely, you can be here, and we're going to use you. We're going to use what God has done in your life to tell some people about Jesus. We're going to bring God some glory through you. Guess what happened? Peter preaches this message. You know what goes on to incur? 2,000 people get saved that day. 2,000 people get saved that day. And I don't think it was because Peter was such a good preacher. Number one, it's because of the power of God. But number two, I think it's because of the prophet. Because God used this man's weakness to display his glory. And sometimes God uses the prop more than he uses the preacher. Sometimes God uses my weakness more than he uses my strength. Sometimes God uses my failure more than he uses my victory. God likes to use the prop to bring himself props. And so what he says to you today is don't run from your weakness, lean into it. Ask me to touch it. Ask me to change it. Ask me to do something with it. Understand the price that it's going to take for me to touch it. The change that's going to be required of you is there's going to be some challenge. But don't run from it. Don't hide from it. Don't pretend it's not there. Be transparent. Be honest. Be real. Because I can make my strength perfect in your weakness. I got up this morning and I just wanted to go back to sleep. I got about 16 hours worth of sleep I got to catch up on that I did not get at camp. I was ready to go back to sleep. But you know what God told me this morning? He said, my power is made perfect in your weakness. And if you fall asleep up there in front of all those people, I'm going to speak to them anyway. I don't need you. You don't think that I can't do this without you? You ain't that special. Sometimes it's just a problem. And so they gave God some props through this. 2,000 people got touched. And the man watches it and he sees all this. And he says, can I just hang with you guys for a little bit? Can I just be close to you? And here's what I want to tell you. And we are almost done. This is God's spiritual growth plan. If you want to know how to grow spiritually, if you want to know how to get closer to Jesus, students who went to camp and God did something for your life, I need you to listen to this very, very clearly. If you want to walk out everything God did in your life, simply hang with the one who healed you. Hang with the one who healed you, and I ain't the one. He hung with Peter and John because he thought they were the ones. He's going to discover that they weren't, that it was God. Hang with the one who healed you. You want to get closer to God? Just spend time with them. Begin to lean into him. Just begin to embrace him and invite him into new areas of your life. And so he said, man, can I just hang with you? I don't know where to walk. I don't know where I'm going. Come on, let's do this. Can can we just take a couple of steps? Can you just show me my way around? Can we begin to do this? Can we walk? And so he leaned on him. He walked with him. They took him out. They took him through. They walked. He stepped. Let's, Let's see where God has for us. I don't know what God has for you. I don't know where God's going with you. But sometimes it's not a sprint. Sometimes you got to limp before you can run. Sometimes you got to lean on the one who healed you. But if you'll just do it, if you'll lean into the one who healed you, if you follow him, he's going to show you where to go. He's going to show you who to become. He's going to show you what he has for you. He's going to show you where he wants you to go. He's going to take you to the right place. So what I want to know this morning is are you ready to follow him? Are you ready to get close to him? Are you ready to lean on the one who healed you? If you're ready, we're going to give God some props. We're going to glorify him at the end of service. He don't need me up there. You don't need me up there. I want you to stand up and I want you to worship the God who deserves your props. The God who's reached down to you. The God who's touched you. The God who believed in you. Let's stretch our hands to heaven and let's believe him to move in our midst today.